Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex Roche is here. Hi everyone, how are you doing? Bernie's here. I am wonderful. <laughs> and Mohanad is here. Hello. A full cast of characters in the house tonight at the end of transfer, I was going to say deadline month, <laughs> the transfer month and deadline day. Uh, what a momentous, absolute mad week it's been, and there's a lot to talk about. But I want to start, as long as everyone's all right, with uh, our country, adopted country in some cases, the Canadian men's national team. Who, who wants to just wax lyrical about the 2-0 victory over the United States? I guess I'll begin because I watched the entire 90 minutes. The crowd was tense. The atmosphere was tense. It was a cold, crisp one. But a goal right at the beginning from Kyle Lahren warmed things up. It was still tense, but you had that atmosphere in the air. It had that feeling. And the longer the game went on, Canada had chances. The Americans, I think the closest they came was that bicycle kick towards the end. They had nothing else. And then Adegoke. Or sorry, Adekugbe. With an amazing solo effort at the end. And I rewatched that that goal by him in uh, normal commentary, in uh, CBS commentary, uh, Sportsnet commentary, Spanish commentary, and I watched that clip about a hundred times. I cannot get over it. I've been thinking about it all week. I think it's fair to say it's a goal Alfonso Davies would have been proud of. Absolutely. It just like he he'd have done, he'd have completed it about seven seconds quicker. I mean, Adekubi is not not slow, but also not not nearly as fast. Um, I did, I, you know, we learned a couple of days before this game that uh, Turner, the U.S. goalkeeper, is joining Arsenal in the summer. Um, Mohamed, how distressed were you at his not saving Kyle Lahren's shot for the first goal? I think he did a really good kneel down, like he kneeled really well. I think in <laughs> protest of something. Not sure, but maybe protest of how good that shot was. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I can't help but be excited. Our only Arsenal's almost only signing this uh, transfer window, uh, you know, a third choice goalkeeper. So exciting stuff. Um, great to see him kind of do his thing there for that second goal. Oh, he's co- he's coming in a second choice because he's coming in in, in the oh, summer. Good point. Yeah. And, and Leno will have gone. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, I mean, Roche's right. The US really had very little. Like Canada stood off. They soaked up the pressure so so to speak um bernie have you been impressed with the tactical flexibility that this team has shown over the course of the qualifying because we've seen them dominate games against the poorer teams we've seen them sit back and counter in the last couple games um i think it's quite impressive i think i'm more impressed with the ability of this team to adapt to certain conditions like players being out Right, like Alfonso Davies, you would expect them to be able to really attack these teams at pace, sit back and counter, and they still kind of did it. But it's more in this particular game that we watched. It was more sit back, soak it up, and then counter as opposed to press and then move. Um, Herdman's done a good job, but he's also got a better crop of talent than other coaches have gotten as well. Um, I don't know what Canada's been doing to do that, but I think a lot more players playing in Europe, maybe the CanPL, getting some players out there as well. And also MLS has developed tactically as well. I think that has helped some of these players to grow tactically. And on the attacking end, I really I really liked the the link up between Laren and David 
you know, it it gave me the York and Cole feels that goal with the one two and, and just gonna say the that. early finish. I, I I loved it, and that's the type of thing that you only get when players are experienced and you know playing at the highest level. So very happy about that. Roche. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the European experience has really played its part. I've been really impressed with Canada, not only offensively, where they've outscored every other team in the CONCACAF so far, but defensively, where they've also not conceded. Uh, uh, they're the best defense in the CONCACAF. And uh, I was reading about Stephen Vittoria, uh, our central defender. He's 36 years old, and he plays in the Portuguese league, a very, very quiet, small club. Uh, obviously baked by, you know, um, history standards. But, you know, to, to for him to go to the World Cup, and he's been an absolute bastion in defense over this qualifying campaign so far. Um, and for him to go to the World Cup for the first time in his life with Team Canada, this Team Canada team, which has a fusion of young and old at the age of 36, that is a big deal. And so you can see how much it means to this team. It's a really big deal to see the, such a blend of players go to the World Cup. I think it's a great, it's a great time in, in Team Canada men's soccer. The women have been doing it really well, but now it's the men's turn. Milan Borhan as well, right? You know, yeah, pairing it up. Yeah, yeah who made made some amazing saves in the last couple of games too. Sorry, Mohamed. No, I was gonna say I also think you know to Herdman's um, credit, I think this team is also playing larger or greater than the sum of their parts for sure. Like yes, they mm. do. They are a more talented crop than previously, but again, that wasn't really a high bar in terms of you know putting out an eleven that can get to a World Cup and dominate the way they are, but. I, I don't think we should take lightly kind of the intangibles, the the belief this team has now, the hope, the kind of the courage, the the solidarity as a unit. I think when you start a campaign so solidly, you can easily then gain that little bit, just that extra inch from all these intangibles every game as it grows. Because, you know, a team that doesn't have this kind of confidence and Alfonso Davies is out all of a sudden crumbles, right? Or mm-hmm. a team that has one bad game or one bad result, but you could just see them slowly but surely. Like they, And they go into, every, and I think Bernie mentioned this, they go into every game keeping the opposition in mind and not just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over. I think they um, respected the U.S. team as they should have because they are, you know, with Mexico, potentially their strongest opposition in this um you know, the side of the world. And they gave them the, the respect that they deserved and they soaked up the pressure and the U.S. tried. Yes, they, they were only really dangerous from set pieces mainly. Uh, and that's credit to our defense as well. Defended really well. I think that one header from the set piece, great save by the keeper. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, again, very solid, have lethal weapons on the counter. Um, and they're also just able to kind of keep going. You know what I mean? Like they don't need to dominate a game to win a game. And that's a really good... Um, kind of characteristic of a team, especially when you're going to play knockout um, potentially or hopefully, you know, even group stages, but in kind of an international tournament, you don't need to play well to win or to go far. You just need to play solidly enough across a couple of games, right? As an Egyptian, you know that all too well. 100%. (laughs) Semi-finals of the AFCON, no one would have put any money on that. So, Mabruk, Mabruk. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But no, I I think that's right. And I I also just want to give a shout out to Tejan Buchanan, who, like, he started... At Club Rouge, he's he's started well there. I honestly think that within a couple of years he'll be at a top club. I think he's that good. Every every time I see this kid, he's skinning people alive, and 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 they can't deal with him. Um, Sorry, Alex. Speaking of, can we also yeah. give a shout out to Junior Hoylet for absolutely dis- disgusting yeah. <laughs> skill level against Acosta? And, yes. Oh, I think we were all Daniel Henry on on the sideline, like, like watching <laughs> that. That was unbelievable. 
Absolutely. And and I'll have to be honest, I thought Junior Hoylet's time in this team was, was done when these kids came through, when Davies came through, Buchanan, you know, Jonathan David, etc. But he's proven to be a useful part of the squad. Sorry, Roche. Well, uh, you know, Atiba Hutchinson is 38 years old and still very much part of Team Canada's plans. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, in terms of the dominating performance by Team Canada in this game, I was trying to think about whether, you know, if I'm if I take my Canada bias off, was there any American player who actually stood out in this game? And the answer is actually no. There was no U.S. player who stood out. So, you know, that just goes to show Team Canada what, a, what an amazing performance all around. Yeah, perhaps. Although although the U.S., like, the fans of the U.S. are in an absolute meltdown. Like, they're not happy with the coach, they're not happy with the squad. Like, they think they're performing way under par. So I think there's a lot to do on, on that end. But, um, you know, in Canada's end, it's been it's been fantastic. What a qualifying campaign. And I think one more win and, and that'll see them there. Um we did have a couple of questions on it though. So let's get to those. Um this is an interesting one, I think. Well, okay. I'll start with the funnier one. Raul says, Has anybody ever seen Tejon Buchanan and Leroy Sane in the same place at the same time? Given the resemblance both in terms of appearance and playing style, starting to think they might be the same person. It's a good question. Well, the thing is, Leroy Sane is so fast that he can be in two places at once. <laughs> So, you know, that doesn't completely, um, even if we see them in the same room, that doesn't completely uh, remove the fact that they could be the same person. But yes, I actually thought similar thoughts when I saw him, especially this game. I don't know why this game, maybe the hairstyle, maybe the, the hair clip, maybe there was something about the style of this game specifically. But I did look at him and I think, hmm, he looked like Sane today, you know? Yeah. I uh, Just checking in with our comic book correspondent, Bernie Flash, how does it work? Can he do that? Two places, same time? He can slow down time so it looks like he's in two places at the same time. So this is very possible that Sane and Buchanan could be the same person, yes. Wicked. All right, so the the next slide, is it Marvel? Is Flash Marvel? Uh, DC. Okay. Do they make movies? I don't know anything <laughs> about do. this. The Batman <laughs> one. Okay. Moving on. We need a, a DC and Canadian-Canada soccer team up. Um, Cameron... At CAMH says, uh, does the Koshkas think Canada is a soccer country? Due to the deserved success of the Canadian men's national team recently, we've sim- seen plenty of people calling Canada a soccer country. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're even close. Curious to get your thoughts. Um, I have thoughts on this, but uh, I want to hear from you guys first. Rishi? Uh Yeah, I have thoughts on that. I went to high school in Mississauga for about a year uh, and a half, and soccer was a big part of that high school. And we had a lot of people from the Balkan states, from Eastern Europe, European players. We had, um, you know, we had pickup soccer every summer, like three days a week at least. Just, you know, show up, play. The soccer scene is big. And I'm not surprised to see that, you know, some players like, for example, Jonathan Osorio have come out, you know, through the Brampton system. And I think that more and more players will come out of these systems. I mean, I, I mean, I have to say, I was as I was going through the Team Canada roster and just kind of looking at some of the players' history, seeing them come through Brampton or other areas of the GTA, seeing them go play for clubs in South America. You know, I think that these stories will become more and more common now that more people are coming to Canada. Um, and, and there is, you know, soccer has always been a big thing in Canada, more so than in the States, having lived in both countries. It's, it's noticeable. So, yeah, I would say Canada is a soccer nation. The women have had a lot more success than the men. Nothing wrong with that. And I think that now the men are starting to finally get into gear. So um, it's an exciting future, definitely, for sure. I think there are two ways to to look at this, though, is that, remember, and Cameron is clearly a 
not a naturalized citizen, I'm going to assume, because if you were on a citizenship test, it's actually your question. What's the most like highly played sport amongst youth in Canada? And it is football. So in that sense, by virtue of being played the most, it is. But being a football country or soccer nation, is you need what happened in USA 94. You need that to take you over the edge, and we're going to get that in a couple of years. And you need to be good. I mean, Canada wasn't a basketball nation until the Raptors won, and then the whole country watched it, right? We are a little bit like that, where we just watch, you know, the country succeed. So as long as that's happening, you know, that USA 94 effect will take place, and then it will be, but in some sense, we already are. Yeah, I think it's fair to say this. I wouldn't say as a whole country, we're a soccer country, but I would say there's definitely huge pockets. Um, And again, I'm just going off by logic and gut feel, but I feel these pockets are slightly related to also pockets of like high immigration pockets as well because you know the love of the game is coming from south america and in mexico and europe etc and africa and asia right like that's where it's coming from and it's slowly kind of taken over but i would say there's still a huge part i mean canada is a large like geographically large country and there's huge pockets where you know i i work in a company where you show up after the canada and the u.s game and not a lot of people you know not a lot of you know Canadians, Canadians know about that game even happening. So mm. we still have a little bit to go in our little circle and on Twitter for us, etc. It feels crazy, but I think there's still a long way to go. I so I agree with that. I, I think it's easy to kind of when you associate with everyone that you know that likes football, then it, it does feel that way. It can feel that way, especially online. But for me, it, it's more about like we're we're producing players now team good now we have a league now like all the all the pieces are there but for me it's more of a cultural thing and i'll take you back to when we arrived the four of us went on a trip to europe we arrived in london and within about two minutes we were in a conversation with someone about football because he was like watching highlights on his phone or something on the bus or reading the paper and you know in the uk obviously there's you know 150 years of of football history but there's five or six pages the back half of, of the newspapers full of, of football stuff. In Italy, there are like five or six newspapers that are solely dedicated to football. In Canadian media, if we get a couple of articles in like the main papers about a momentous game, we're all like, hey, look, it's in the media. You know, So I still think there is a long way to go culturally. We, we are seeing way more shirts on the streets than we did you know, when the four of us arrived, whatever it was, 12, 13 years ago. Are you now. saying it's because of us? I think we've had a massive part to play. I, I, so. I agree. <laughs> our, our, our trivia nights are beloved. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, I don't want to do us a disservice. But it's clearly growing, and we absolutely will get there. But I agree with Cameron that, that we're not quite there yet. But just, just, I know we're going to move on, but, you know, when Sid Sexero said some nonsense that gets goes viral across the world, you know you've made it, fam. Like, as, as, <laughs> as a football country. We're international now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Sid, Sid has also gone viral for better things recently, which I appreciate. But yeah, yeah. anyway, um, that's Canada. I think uh, Mo, unless there's any any more Egypt reflections. Um, no, I would just like to say um, on record um, from there's two two Afcon participants in this in this group, and one was more let's say confident on the inside. 
than the other, mm. especially that Nigeria beat Egypt 2-0, was it, in the first, uh, first game of the group? 1-0, whatever. Oh, we'll make it 3-0, 4-0. It, it works <laughs> with my narrative. Um, but yeah, no, Egypt have made it to the semifinals of the AFCON. Crazy matchups. Egypt, Cameroon, Senegal are still in it. Um, I believe, who else? Some crazy Senegal stuff. Senegal and Burkina Faso, right? Yeah, Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso. They're the real and, story here. You know, it would be nice to have a Mane Salah final, I think. Uh, Egypt still have to go through the hosts, Cameroon, and whatever crazy stuff can pop up there. But we'll see how that goes. But I cannot, you know, beating Ivory Coast and Morocco to get to the semifinal was not something I anticipated. We're getting better every game. Um, you know, Pyramid Pirlo in center mid, just dominating. Um, you know, we yeah, I'm excited. The next game is on Thursday against uh, Cameroon. And man, it would be great. Because, I mean, just I love dominating African football. I just love it. I enjoy it to my core. Every single record of AFCON is Egyptian. You know, number I, of wins, number of goals scored, number of finals, number of games won, number of... It's just, I love it. I love I'm it. so happy for you. And, and can I say <laughs> that if you do get to the final, this to me would be your biggest achievement because you're supposed to be shit. Like yep. I'm, I'm glad that us beating you gave you the, you know, Thank determination you. you needed to overcome your shittiness. But um, more importantly, if you do beat Cameroon, you know you're you're playing against eleven Cameroonians, the fans, <laughs> the corrupt, the corruption, and this is not to belittle Afghan. They are oh, not yeah. going to let try. They're going to try and get their home country to the final. We we know this is how it works. So if you overcome this, you've literally overcome the system. <laughs> I have three things to say about this. One is top of the continent, top of the league. The second is what I really love is that the person that scored the winning goal in extra time was Trezeguet, who you said is shit. He's so <laughs> fat. I don't get how he, he's been so dangerous, but he's so overweight. It's hilarious, but he's been playing okay. And the, and the third thing is, please tell us what you told us about the, the uh, Egyptian team doing their own yeah. testing. So this is what Bernie's saying about beating the system. So <laughs> if you remember last game, Cameroon played whoever it was, and their left back was in goal, and they had like 13 COVID cases in Guinea or whatever. I can't remember. So what Egypt have decided to do is get their COVID tests pregame in a private lab that is not the one sanctioned by the Cameroonian government for the Afghan because they're like, every time a team comes up against Cameroon, suspiciously, half their squad is out with COVID. <laughs> and then there's been rumors actually coming out of the Cameroonian media this last two days that Salah has COVID. The Egyptian team had to come out and say, no, he doesn't. It's just the mind games have already started. <laughs> you know Salah has, has priors with this, right? Yeah. Like, right. He's like, guys, let me show you what worked at Liverpool. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Exactly. Exactly. Bring Klopp in for a game. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. It's been it's been more fun than expected because of how far we've gone. And yeah, there have been, I mean, both games to extra time. It's been, it's been tense. Lovely stuff. Well, we all wish you well. Bernie, too, I assume? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have no problem with them. Okay. <laughs> you just yeah, take me to Nigeria when I need to. I'm good with that. So. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, I want to do the last question that, that we have for this week so that we can then bounce into transfers. Um, this one's a, a deep one, um, and it's from um, our friend Don Yaya, who says, simple one, how do you convince your child to not support a team that you hate? And I will put this in context. He's a massive Arsenal fan, and his boy just declared that he is a Chelsea fan. 
Well, this is going to be a generational issue for all Arsenal fathers because <laughs> correct. I mean, it would be child. What's it called when you're abuse? about to your child? Yeah, it would be child abuse to force your child to support Arsenal. So this is going to be an issue for all like thirty to forty year old Arsenal males <laughs> that have a kid in the next generation. So how? At least it's not Spurs. I'll give him that. You know. So you gotta you gotta look at the silver linings, but. The one thing I would say is I always, so for example, my wife, um, we met like, we got married two and a half years ago. And in, just despite me, she supports Tottenham very lightly, just despite <laughs> me. And when she, when she declared her support of Tottenham, because they were doing really well, whatever it was two seasons ago, you know, I'm pushing for the title, all that good stuff, whatever it was. I told her, these are all short terms. Don't get fooled. You know, this is what Tottenham do. They're going to fail eventually. And they do. They always do. So I would say, just tell your kid, look long-term. Arsenal's history, heritage, you know? Just like, you got you to gotta lean into these things. You got to, the, the bronze statues in front of the Emirates. These are the things you got to lean into. <laughs> I think you have to threaten your child. There was, there was a wise man who once said, if my child behaved like that, he wouldn't get any food. Um, that's that's the that's the approach I would take. You're not going to eat in my house. You're not going to sleep in my house. You can go outside if you want. That's that's we're going strict African dad model. That's, mm. That, mm. that's the approach we're going to take. And we know Don Yaya. We've had him here. He's an African man. He's got it in his root, in his bones, in his blood. <laughs> Just let it out, bro. Let it out. <laughs> Rouge, any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, I don't think United are far behind if they continue this, you know, terrible, terrible post-Fergie era. But um, I think you should just let it be whatever it will be, will be. Um, your child has to make his own decisions uh, someday. And I think if he does, you know, if he, I mean, how old could his child possibly be? Hopefully he's young enough that he decides he's going to change his mind and he's still young. You know, he can still find a way out. So, you know, uh, leave the door open for that. So I mean, I'm sorry right. not to. I'm sorry not to add any. No, it was uh, just too reasonable an answer. I really hated it. So, <laughs> no, inc- incredibly sensible. Um, <laughs> I what I would contribute, um, and I will. I'll annoy Mohammed very much in the process. Is what I will say is that like my dad's a Spurs fan. Um, at some point when I was a kid, I decided I was an Arsenal fan. We lived in London, like pretty semi-distant between between each club, um, and. I, because my dad is a Spurs fan, I also have a, a massive soft spot for Spurs. Um, Mo, you never told me that, that your wife does, so she and I should talk about that. Um, yeah. But the point being, and obviously that, that's like a very taboo thing and it pisses Mohamed off, which is totally reasonable. Um, and, you know, I would be excommunicated from many, many Arsenal forums. But the thing is, and the reason that has happened, is because ultimately football is enjoyed by sharing it with other people and especially like there's a there's a, a dad son thing about football that you can't replace and it's you know obviously it doesn't have to be dads it can be moms blah, blah, blah. but growing up often people get their support from their family and being able to share that with them is something that really adds to the experience so maybe he's too young for this argument i don't know but like that would be the case i would make so alex that is the exact argument that i make to my brother every time he berates mm-hmm. me for making him an arsenal fan 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, but we've enjoyed it so much together. We've lived through it. <laughs> and now he's just like, I cannot believe you turned me into an Arsenal fan. He literally became an Arsenal fan in 2006, which is at, right after the Champions League final loss. He kind of was old enough to start picking a team. And that's when I got him in. And since yeah. then, he's seen nothing. <laughs> oh, 100%. But here's the thing, Mo. And, and here's the other thing that I would I would say to, to, your, to Raheem is... Who would you have picked at the time? 2006? I guess if you wanted Come to just on. pick a team that wins Chelsea. I mean, Tevez, Ro- Tevez, Rooney, Ronaldo? At that point, United, City, not City, Chelsea, and uh, what's the other team? Barcelona, if you well, want. Liverpool just won a Champions League if you wanted to do that. Like, Arsenal were useless. <laughs> Let's calm down. There's a lot of options, Alex. Don't, don't, don't uh... pretend like it was Arsenal or nothing. <laughs> well, the Man United fans hate their lives now. So that would have been a bad choice. Barca fans hate their lives now. Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. Well, the Man United fans, 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 fans hated their, their lives then. For better or for so, worse, Man United fans we... have a type of player FC model. Hmm. <laughs> so these, that's what's keeping Barcelona or Real Madrid, they will never suffer as much as Arsenal or Arsenal have, uh, you know, or United or any other team. They will always find their way back. Florentino will secure a loan from JP Morgan. Uh, whoever the Barca president is who's not involved in a scandal will call him up because rivalry is good for business. And the cycle continues. They will never suffer. Yeah, and that is boring as hell. Extremely. Yeah. All right, let's get into transfers. It's it's the fun stuff. It's the mad stuff. Every, it makes everyone happy and, and massively depressed. But let's do it. There have been some, uh, there have been some absolutely amazing things going on. Let me pull up the list. All right, let's start. Well, we're just talking about Barcelona. Let's start with Aubameyang. Okay. What, what, what do we want to talk about Aubameyang? We want to talk about how he's the 17th player Arsenal has let go for free over the last year. Um, yep. So we, we do two things. We, buy, we let go of players for free or we trigger release clauses to buy players. That's all we do. We don't negotiate. <laughs> we don't do any type of business. So Aubameyang, look, I get it. We're saving 29 million pounds and whatever over the next year and a half because we're not paying him 350,000 pounds a week. And allegedly he went down to 100,000 pounds um, a week to play for Barcelona. So, you know, was was he ever going to play for Arsenal again? Probably not. Does it make sense to just let him go? Yes. Would I had rather him went to Saudi where we don't have to hear about him again? Yes. Now, you know, <laughs> it's going to be one of these Saliba, Guendouzi things where every time he assists or scores a goal or does any trick or flick or whatever is going to be all over Twitter. And it's going to be like, look what we could have had if Arteta wasn't such a dictator, you know. So I'm not looking forward to that part. But I am happy he's off the wage bill. I, I just, mm-hmm. I know it doesn't matter footballing wise, but like why have him there for a year and a half on, on almost half a million dollars pounds a week like it just doesn't make sense yeah i completely agree i i'm i'm actually delighted by this i mean i i'm you know sad at the way it has ended Aubameyang seems like a pretty cool character even though he clearly causes Mikel Arteta some distress um but i think everything causes Mikel Arteta a bit of distress um he seems like a nice guy he got had a good relationship with the fans possibly too good um you know dt and all that bit weird but it's it's sad, but the contract that Arsenal gave him was completely ludicrous, like completely ludicrous. And they did it right after giving Ozil a completely ludicrous contract and regretting that immediately too. So I'm just glad that's done. It frees up a ton of money to spend um, on wages and or transfer fees. They tried to replace him in January, didn't work. I'd rather they waited till the summer and got the right guy than, than panic bought. So 
to me, this is good. Mental on Barcelona's part. I mean, yes, they're getting him for less less money, but Barcelona's forward line: Aubameyang, Luke De Jong, Fatty, who's always injured. Um, who else have we got? Depay. Adama now. Depay, Adama, Dembele. And Dembele, who didn't leave. They well, it could, potentially, it could potentially be a front three of Depay, Aubameyang, Dembele. I mean, I would pay to watch that. <laughs> yes. Not for the reasons that people think you'd pay to watch it. <laughs> well, the problem is they're all fun when they're celebrating goals. The question is, will they score? No. Well, to be fair, yeah. uh, Dembele is, you know, he's out in six months, most likely. And mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, if Adama Traore is starting in that front three, that's a... Pretty formidable front three, especially given you're playing in La Liga. Adama Traore with the muscle, Aubameyang still has pace, and he's a good finisher. So you know you have you have all the parts. On paper, yeah. Who? Who's the finisher? Aubameyang. Aubameyang. I mean, not in the last year or oh, two. Oh, I, th- but... I, th- I thought I heard Adama Traore is a good finisher. I was like, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Am I in the twilight zone? <laughs> He literally just needs to run down the pitch and square it. Just keep doing that. You'll be fine. I mean, they've got all the players now to play low block and counter. Like, I, I, you, you would, we all would have assumed, I think everyone would assume that Xavi would be a tiki-taka, control the ball, maximum possession guy. In fact, I think he even said as much. But, like, that has not been what we've seen in his recruitment. If well, it's also did this, I would have been like, yeah, this makes sense to me. He was in the Premier League for a bit. Like, this kind of rubbish makes sense. But this is Xavi. This is fraudulent behavior. And I'm not standing for it. Bernie, I don't know if you saw, but Mo, Mo was saying, speak up. Speak up, son. I have to edit this now? <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, so, I, I think, again, on paper, they're fun, like Roche said. And it will be fun. Um, I think Alex, he's not playing tiki-taka because, again, he doesn't have the players. And I know you're saying the recruitment, but I think Barcelona right now are just picking whatever they can out there. Yeah. They're not really... They don't have targets and going after them. They're just waiting for something to, to fall in their lap. They see a 100,000 uh, pound a week striker in Aubameyang that is you know leaving for free. I think they pounce on that. That's just what they're going to be doing for a while while their kind of finances are rubbish. Um, and they're just going to have to make it work for a little bit. Uh, the question is, why would Xavi want to be there during that period of the club's history? I don't know. But um, I guess anything might be better than Qatar at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think... I just don't think he's picking how to play. He's just trying to get three points every game separately yeah. from the game before. Yeah. And and Obert, to be fair, just like showed up at the door and was like, can I, can I sign for you, please? I'd like yep. to sign, please. Uh, Roche. Sorry about that. I was caught off guard. Uh, no, I, I just want to say that, you know, from an Arsenal fan standpoint or for Arsenal as a club, I think that um, they really have, in a very impressive way, rallied and gotten a lot of results, with, you know, on the back of Aubameyang being stripped of captaincy. So this is a, clearly the right move for the club, a step in the right direction. On the other hand, for Barcelona, they are a team currently in transition. A lot of new parts, a lot of old parts that need to go. So it will be interesting to see who leaves Barcelona this summer. I mean, you know, we're talking how they have a surplus in attack. So um, I, I assume that a lot of players are going to move. Like, for example, Dembele, you know, let, let's keep a watch on him. So transfer market will probably be even hotter in the summer if we didn't see any big names move, at least at this time. Oh, yeah. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. Speaking of wild, Frankie Lamppost, in at Everton. Bernie, you've got feelings. <laughs> this is a stupid appointment if I've ever... 
<laughs> seen a stupid appointment. So we've been on, I think the last, I think it's last two podcasts talking about how they need to just give it to a big dunk and see what happens and go agricultural. Uh, can Frank Lampard do a good job somewhere? Yeah, probably. But I just don't think Everton is that club for him. And I don't think he's the right person for them. There's, they're a useless football organization in a very bad spot. They need a savior. They don't, and they need just to be functional, not someone who doesn't know how to organize a defense. And on top of that, he takes Donny van de Beek, which you can go, okay, cool. I, I, I can see what you're trying to do. Fine. But then you sign Deli Alley, yep. <laughs> who literally is the same player. Literally the exact same player. The one of those, he's really a, a goal-scoring 10, but yep. like he can play somewhere else. Like, what happens to Dottie or what happens to Delhi now? Someone's going to get fucked up in this situation. And this is how annoying it is for me because it's just another dumb decision amongst dumb decisions that they've made. Maybe he makes it work and, and we revisit this, but like, Right are now, you, it's baffling. Are you surprised that Donny didn't... I thought he was going to... I Again, I don't know the background and the details and the clubs, but I, if I was Donny, I feel like I would have picked Crystal Palace. Just the way mm-hmm. Vieira has been there, the way they want to play football, the fact that, yes, I know they have... What's his name? Cal, uh, Gallagher. But like it just feels like... I don't know. That would be the place I want to be. They know exactly what they want to do. XG is looking good. They're just not finishing. But Everton just seemed too much in kind of limbo to go. What is it? Six month loan? Is it like it just yeah. feels too much in limbo to go where it's already crazy and you're on loan? I don't know. I would have picked Crystal Palace myself. Well, so here's my the theory. Thing. Oh, sorry, Alex, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to have a theory about why he's gone to Everton, and I think it is because proximity-wise, it is closer to Manchester to go to Everton. And if he did go to Crystal Palace there's a potential that Donny would be scouted by one of the other London clubs and go to a rival. That's my theory. Yeah, but all the but all the United <laughs> fans are in London. He would have been really close to all the United fans. Just, just, to, just to add to Roche's point, that's actually a, an outstanding point because his girlfriend is pregnant at the moment and you don't really want to be far away if you don't have to. So that's girl... probably why he's done that, actually. His girlfriend can can move with him, though. Like, I don't think that's... Is that the life you really want to live, a, really? You I just, don't think it's you just really bought a house, you just paid Prime plus whatever the hell. And then... <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, will, I, will tell you, I will tell you what the, the official line is, which is that he was all set to go to Crystal Palace, um, and then basically Everton appointed Lampard, Lampard called him directly, they had a conversation specifically about what Lampard wanted to do, you know, with him. Um, and that's what convinced him to sign for Everton. Now, here's the thing, to Bernie's point, I absolutely guarantee that Lampard had exactly the same conversation with Deli Alley. Like, exactly <laughs> the same conversation. And now, like a, a player in a club who's been sweet-talking two girls, he's got a situation, and he's going to need to find a way out of it. Um, Alex, just to, just to that point, I also, we did talk about how did Lampard get the Everton job, and we did say he's probably a very good talker. He probably walked into that boardroom, said yep. some really good stuff, pointed out some really awesome graphs, and they <laughs> gave him the job. I just think, you know, you see him on TV, etc., etc. He just seems like he can talk pretty well. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think it's out of the, uh, out of kind of the realm of possibility that he just talked his way into that job and both of those signings. Well, let me ask you this um, question, though, because we're talking about which one would you pick. I'd also pick Crystal Palace based on footballing reasons, whatever. Mm-hmm. But do you think that Donny, 
saw, and also what Frank might may have said, could have been Gallagher is really killing it, and he's really going to be the center of the midfield for these guys, assists, goals, all that stuff. You're going to play a side part. You're going to be the fulcrum in my midfield. You know, my scent, build it around you. Come over here. And he made, and then they bought Deli Alley to screw him over. Like, so, so what you think Would is, he even start at Palace is a real question, just that he wants to play. So you think pretty much Lampard went, Crystal Palace already have their token white guy. You can't go there. <laughs> yes. that's, that's pretty much what Lampard said. Because yes. that seems to be the Crystal Palace theme. It's, it's Griezmann and the French team. You know, it's Gallagher yeah. and Crystal Palace. Yeah, I, it's, it is tricky to, to know where, where Beaky would have played there. Because at least, say, Eze, like, they've got plenty of creativity. It does feel like he would have come off the bench. Whereas, I'm, I, again, I guarantee Lamps told, that, told him that he's going to start every game. At Everton, which is now not true. Um, <laughs> he's it's, gonna try and he's gonna try and do it. He's going to try it. I promise you, he'll try it. <laughs> it's man, it's gonna be funny. It's gonna be so funny. Um, all right, a team that that spent irritatingly sensibly, very very irritatingly sensibly. Um, Mohamed, talk us through Newcastle's transfer window. We've got uh, Dan Byrne, my favorite player in the world, Matt Target, uh, Chris Wood. And Bruno Guimaraes, who who we've uh, cried about last week. Yeah, the rumors are the rumors are Eddie Howe walked into the uh, Newcastle boardroom and said, "I don't care what you do, you get me my targets." So they went out and they put in a little search in FM, and Matty Target came out. <laughs> but so I think they actually did some good business. We talked about this earlier today. They were always going to overspend. Is mm-hmm. Chris Woodworth whatever $33 million? No, but pounds or whatever. But he has a release clause, and that'll do, and they've got all the money in the world. Matt Target, is he the best whatever left back or whatever the hell he plays in the world? No, but is he better than what they have? <laughs> yes, and he's going to play. Is, you know, I, I, come on, don't get me started on Gimaresh. Like, please, what a signing for Newcastle. I don't care how shit he might yep. be or how might he not be good for like a top, top team. That is an unbelievable signing. And then you've also got Trippier, who I never really rated that highly. But again, it's Newcastle in the circumstances. They're battling relegation. Those four will do as a first. You know, we always talk about how City did it and how all these teams that get rich all of a sudden did it. For a first January transfer window, battling mm-hmm. relegation, this will definitely do. Yes. Like, question. Did Mankio and Jamal Lewis get pushed out of the starting 11? Answer, fucking yes. So that is a win. <laughs> that is a good way of putting it, yes. The bar is low. <laughs> the bar is so low. And Gimaraes, like, it's baffling that no other, other clubs came in for him. I mean, specifically, Arsenal desperately needed a central midfielder. Completely baffling. But it does give me great joy to think about him playing next to who? Like, John Joe... Matty Longstaff, Joe Willock. Like, that's very funny. Yeah, just imagine the communication between him and John Joe Shelby. <laughs> oh, man, why am I playing next to a criminal? <laughs> it's going to be good. Now, listen, the question is, if they, don't, if they don't stay up now, I don't know what happens. That, I mean, I, I kind of need to see that. I think we all kind of need to see that. But we will see. I think they'll be fine. Um, Tottenham bought uh, Bentancur and Kulusevski from Juventus. To me, it, the jury's are, well, the jury's very out on these signings. Um, but basically, if Conte wants them, then 
you do what he says. But the funny thing to me is that Paratici has been there. He's supposed to revolutionize the scouting system, do the analytics, all that. And then six months to prepare. And then he just goes back to Juventus and is like, I'll take a couple of blokes I know, please and thank you. And they're probably good. They're probably better than what Spurs have right now. But it just feels unimaginative. You know what's funny about Spurs is I, I Kulisevsky and Bentoncourt, sure. <laughs> like whatever. They they were just easily available players. Cool. Whatever. I, I didn't know that I forgot Brian Hill or whatever, however you say his name, was there. And I'm like, where was the out like why weren't people outraged that this guy wasn't playing? Because they spent him for twenty five million or whatever. And then he's mm. gone. I was completely shocked because I was like, who? <laughs> what? Well, they, they they bought him when they had Nuno who played with wingers and then they hired a manager who has, doesn't play with wingers and so now he needs to go get game time. Lo Celso too. What a, what a mess. 50-something mil. What a mess. And Dombele, another mess. They've wasted a lot of money. And that's typical Spurs, to be honest. Very Spursy. They waste a lot of money all the time. I, I, I maintain that those were good signings that got screwed over by the chaos that ensued at their club over the over the next two years like the talent is is absolutely there but i like i'm pretty sure that both of those guys are going to go play very well elsewhere but i'm, I'm we not sure because Ndombele has an attitude problem which is why none of the top clubs would touch him and you can't do anything well, P- about someone with an attitude problem you just can't i mean called ps i mean psg wanted him they only didn't sign him because they couldn't move players on. But and PSG have the worst attitudes in football, so <laughs> <laughs> would have been a perfect fit. <laughs> I guess so. I don't think I don't think Ndombele fits anywhere. Hey, I see what you've done. It's the thighs, isn't it? It's the thighs. <laughs> if Adama can do it, Ndombele can do it. <laughs> True, that's a good point. Um, Aaron Ramsey has joined Rangers. This one's a bit mental. Like he was, Juventus were paying him like. 400 no i don't know somewhere between two and four hundred uh thousand euros a week so I'd, rangers are probably paying like three <laughs> percent it's a three percent loan i think this is but this is what happens when you leave on a free you make so much more money than you're worth and then you're unsellable that's mm-hmm. what happens and you stick around even if you don't play any games because you're making really good money um you know you live in turin yes but Lovely. you're making a lot of money. Um, so, I don't know. What is he going to do at Rangers? Uh, you know, you hear the story of, uh, what's his name, the reporter, who was like, you know, in that final day, Ramsey was literally at a private airport making a decision on where to go, like, in the mm-hmm. last couple of hours of that night. It's, yeah, Rangers, maybe, sure, but... You know the problem so what? It, it was, his decisions were Burnley or, or Glasgow. And he said, you know what, I don't give a shit. <laughs> If it's a terrible team, Glasgow is better than Burnley is the flame of the place, right? Like, I don't care yeah. about Burnley. I'd rather go to Glasgow and live my life. And fair play to you. And he gets yeah. European football with going to Rangers rather than Burnley. Are they still in Europe? Or maybe the UEFA Cup qualifying, at least the qualifying round. That's maybe. This is true. Maybe. Um, well, good for him. At least he'll play some football. Um, Liverpool signed Luis Diaz, who... I mean, it's quite funny. They were planning to do it in the summer. They weren't planning to do anything now. This is Mane's long-term replacement. Then Spurs put a bid in and Liverpool were like, uh, no, 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 that's our guy. Came back in. There you go. All happened in like 24 hours. This guy is really good. He's really good. He's going to fit in Liverpool so well. I'm scared. 
he is the quintessential YouTube player that <laughs> we're like, oh, shoot, he can do lots of things on YouTube. And then he gets here and he'll probably take some time to adapt. Oh, so, sure. But he, but he's got it. Like, it, it's, almost, it's almost better. Like, now he has half a season to adapt. Mane comes back from the African Cup of Nations. They can share some time. Um, they do have a lot of forwards now, though. Like, you do feel that something has to give in the summer. I don't know how you'd keep all five happy otherwise. I think Mane is out the door. I think I think this is a way of forcing him out. It's like, go to AFCON. No problem. <laughs> he comes back. He's like, that John Travolta gif. I'm just, like, looking around. <laughs> But that would imply you think they're going to pay Salah, and I'm I'm just not convinced. Oh, they they will they will they will. Another team that I think has done well is Aston Villa. I think they've had a good mm-hmm. good window. They you know signed Chambers from Arsenal. Yes, not the best player in the world, but a good squad player to have. English as well, etc. Martinez new contract signed, which is good for them. Um, Olsen on loan, uh, Coutinho on loan, Twenzebe on loan. And then Dinier, um, Robin Olsen. Robin Olsen. He's, he's, yeah, he's terrible to be honest. But is he? He's just a backup. Oh, he's yeah. he's really rubbish. Yeah, but like at the end of the day, I think they had a good, quiet um, kind of window. I think they did well for the additions they have. Mm-hmm. Um, added add to that, Gerard recently. I think good, you know, good couple of months for Villa for sure. Upwardly mobile, absolutely. Um, and then we touched on Burnley. They've said, I don't know how to pronounce this player's name, but it Voot Veghorst, the six foot six Dutch anti vaxxer. Yeah. Amazing. Just amazing. So apparently he refused to get vaccinated. So Wolfsburg were like, we have to get rid of this guy. And Burnley were like, well, we just lost Chris Wood, so we need another tree. And <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and they're not hiding it either from the no. Yeah. That's what's so funny about Burnley. They literally like are so unimaginative. <laughs> so someone pointed out someone pointed out on Twitter that the final game of the season could be this Wigorst guy versus Dan Burns going up for headers <laughs> yes. to seal their place in the league. And I mean that would be something. Burnley Newcastle on the final day of the season, just both oh, of them mate. Kind of just like two giraffes using their heads <laughs> to fight for you know, against relegation. That would be great. What That's all I want. Just one proper weekend of Barclays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I look forward to it. Oh I really look forward to it. All right. I think that's all the time we have. Man City signed Julian Alvarez, some whiz kid from, from River Plate, but I don't think we'll see him until next season. So we'll talk about him then. Um, yeah. Anything else, lads? Nothing else crazy happened? Hmm. Uh, no other major well, transfers? Feels like there was I mean, I mean there, there was one other thing which was announced was oh, it yeah, yesterday that's fine. that Arsenal signed some American defender called Austin Trusty, who doesn't even spell Austin correctly, uh, from <laughs> Colorado. And like no one knows who he is or why this has happened, but it's absolute fraud well, slash well, money laundering. Well, well, everyone saw Arteta there with Stan, <laughs> and they're like, "Ooh, they're talking about how to get Vlavic and how to get Isaac and how to do this." Like, nope, they're signing this dude so they can, you know, it's, it's just funny, man. It's just hilarious. Okay. And then all the Arsenal fans seeing Isaac's car in London and going absolutely nuts, and then it was nothing. They That's actually also funny. looked up the registration of the car. Like, yep. this is this is where we've gone. We've come to as football fans. This is ridiculous. Yep. Well, I mean, if you don't look up the car's registration, are you even a proper fan? Probably exactly. Not. 
Yeah, you can go support Not Chelsea. these days. Don't pass the test. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks, lads. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Thank you.